Hi, I'm Riley. And I'm Kristen. We're cousins. Let's hunt for some treasure. on Instagram at treasure podcast. Make sure to check it out because we post all the pictures we talk about in the episode with corresponding numbers. So you know exactly what image we're talking about throughout the episode. Um, try to find us in the Twitterverse at the treasure pod. Um, if you want to send us any personal gems, like personal stories, um, send us those at a podcast treasure at gmail.com. And if you want to send us any actual gold, uh, find us on PayPal at treasure pod. Thank you guys. Yes. Thank you guys so much. And yeah, Kristen did touch on a subject that I did think that we should probably bring up. We are changing our Instagram around, uh, to make it easier for everybody to follow along with our episodes because we do use a lot of pictures and we want to make sure that, Everyone knows what we're talking about when we're talking about it. So throughout the next um, episodes, or like I guess forever, we (laughs) will be adding number, like corresponding numbers. I'll tell Kristen to look at a number. Uh, And yeah, so y'all can see that on Instagram coming very soon to an Instagram (laughs) near you. So, Kristen, do you have a personal treasure that you want to talk about? Yes, we finally, so our house has been on the market and got it sold, went under contract after only a couple days, which was just absolutely insane. And we are, we have a closing date. Um, So we are moving to our family farm. I'm getting all of my chickens that I've talked about previously. (laughs) And uh, I'm just excited to like get started on our forever home and kind of be out there. It's like a new, exciting um, stage of life. And hopefully with this, my husband will be ready for baby number two. So bring it on. Hopefully. Yes, that is so exciting. (laughs) All of it, especially the chickens. Baby comes definitely number like two uh, behind the chickens. Chickens one, baby um, two. (laughs) That is, yeah, exactly. That is so exciting. Congratulations. And I know that all of our crewmates are definitely cheering you on. And we cannot wait to see your house in progress. Well, thank you. I'll definitely have to post. I think our chickens, they're going to have to be special guests on the show at some point. 100%. And we should name them all like pirate names. Or I'm saying we, like I'm going to be raising them. You could be their their fairy godmother. I yeah, think exactly. that's a great idea. Okay, good because I will hold you. To but that. like the women pirates, because yes. they'll mostly be all women, mm-hmm. like the notorious like, cutthroat. Yeah, yeah. Let's that do. sounds amazing. What about you? Any personal treasure, Kristen? You are going to love my personal treasure, and I hope that everyone else does too. Okay. It involves watching a video that I saw, I don't even remember where I saw it. So open the video and I will kind of explain what it is, I guess. This is a, it's off TikTok, but it is a six-year-old Japanese girl 
who comes home from school and like makes dinner for her parents like she what? comes home by herself yeah I'm not even kidding watch okay, okay watch it right now so I just let Kristen watch this video so she gets home and she has all of the there are all these devices in their house yeah and things that I've never seen before and so then she does all of her stuff. She makes dinner for the entire family by herself, including taking a fish out of the <laughs> fridge or something and cutting it with a sharp knife, which I don't agree with. But I mean, she's very, she looks very successful at everything she's doing. She mops the floors and I just love all of the little gadgets that they have. Yeah. So I got obsessed with this and I started looking up these gadgets and these videos and people look them up because they are satisfying in, I don't know, I guess Japan, they have, they vacuum their bed and their bedding off with this little really? vacuum cleaner. And the amount of stuff that comes off of their beds is concerning. Like, it doesn't even look like they have cats or anything, but it looks like the entire thing is full of cat hair. The thing That egg, did you see that big yeah. egg that she put in the fridge? I did. That's like a fridge cleaner. It, like, cleans the inside of your fridge. <laughs> like, with... I don't, I don't know how it... I have no idea how it works. And that thing that she put in the water with the fish? Yeah. What was that? That's a food sanitizer, and it sanitizes any kind of food that you have. How? Well, in other... Okay, so in other videos that I've seen, <laughs> stuff kind of, like, comes out of it. Like, you can see it Ew. doing something. Like, it I don't know what it does. Out yeah, like... Like, yeah, like, it maybe it pushes some kind of food cleaner out, but, like, I have no idea. I don't know if any of these products work, but this has turned me on to of some sort of lifestyle that may not be helpful or healthy. <laughs> I have no idea. But I do know that I want all of those things. Yeah, that was really So cool. we'll just have to see where it goes. I love it. So I'm glad that you felt the same way because, yeah, I got so obsessed with it. I know what I'm getting you for Christmas. Oh, my God. Stop. No. We can't. <laughs> we can't. Okay. So anyways, for today's treasure – I will allow better writers than me to take us into our story. <clears throat> when in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinion of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That is to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just power from the consent of the governed. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation 
on such principles and organizing its powers. I can cry. (laughs) (laughs) This is the beginning of the Declaration of Independence and the birth of the United States of America. Today, we are talking about freedom and independence and the treasure of America. Love it. Yay. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. Good. I'm so glad. Uh, Yeah, we're going to be looking for treasures that were left behind from like the 1700s, which is the Revolutionary War era. July 4th, our Independence Day is coming up. So I just thought this would be super appropriate. Excellent. I'm so excited. This is like right up my alley. Oh my goodness. Okay, good. So yeah, if you're not from America, stick around, learn a little about our history. And if you are from America, I am going to bet that you haven't heard all of these stories and we might even be able to lead you to find some treasures of your very own. Awesome. So Kristen, when was the Declaration of Independence signed? July 4th, 1776? Or no? No. It was actually... This is just like a fun fact, and I set you up so hard. I'm so sorry. But um, it was actually signed on July 2nd, 1776. But New York had to add like all these addendums. Okay. And so it was finally agreed upon on July 4th. But everyone who like wrote the Declaration of Independence, they totally thought that July 2nd was going to be like the big day and they had things actually printed kind of saying like get ready for July 2nd but that didn't happen Uh so anyways it was finally agreed upon on July 4th which is now Independence Day I've always loved July 4th I mean it's really just an American holiday you know if you don't know this obviously we get together at like Most people, I feel like, have, like, barbecues and cookouts and, you know, just, like, hang out together. And it's just kind of a day to celebrate, like, freedom, America. They're red, white, and blue is everywhere. Fireworks. We shoot off fireworks. Oh, yeah. Um, Oh, yeah. Or if you can't do fireworks, like, little sparklers. Um, It's just really fun. It's like a family time. And I didn't know that it is the second most traveled holiday in America. Like people go for, um, I think Thanksgiving, it's either Thanksgiving or Christmas is number one. And then 4th of July is number two. That is very interesting, Kristen. I did not know that. I think that's true. I bet I, I like really feel like you're right because July 4th is also a day that people like, like to go to the beach and like, you know, it's the summer. So kids are off school. So I kind of feel like that makes like a lot of sense to me. So no one travel anywhere on July 4th because it'll be crazy. (laughs) Okay, so after they agreed upon it, on July 4th, the document was immediately rushed to a local printer to make 200 copies of the declaration to give out to everyone who signed it and also to be, like, sent off into the rest of the world to make our declaration known that we are independent and we're not going to be, like, ruled by anyone else but ourselves. I love it. That just makes my, like, I just get goosebumps thinking about 
that I was just going to say that. Doesn't it give you, like, chills? It gives me kind of, like, full body chills. Like, just to think about, I don't know, like, what they had to go through to Mm -hmm. come up with this, to write it, to make it. It just is very, I don't know. I just really like it. We're Americans. Okay. We we love it. Well, going to Washington, D.C., the it's it's like the most humbling thing to see the actual declaration of independence and to think about what it took to make this nation autonomous and if you ever visit america and you're curious about our history you've got to go to dc and just check out all the history that's there yeah it just makes it makes me so proud to be an american it really does yeah i know these People risked their lives and everything to become autonomous. And we will get into a little bit of that in a little bit. Okay, so Kristen. Yes. Remember how I said that the local printer made 200 copies of the Declaration of Independence? Like straight off the presses. Yes. Okay, so these 200 copies make for a lot of treasure (gasps) because only 26 are known to like only 26 have been found no way yes and this document was so important to so many people that i cannot i i can't believe that somebody would just like crumble it up and like throw it on the streets like these 200 copies were made yeah yeah they were made for specific people and sent there so we only know of 26 But that can all change. For example, in 1989, a man was at a flea market in Pennsylvania and bought a completely abysmal $4 painting. (laughs) He wanted the frame to frame something else. So he went home. You know how like artwork has like that craft paper backing on it? Oh, yeah. To like seal the whole thing in shut like from the back. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. So that's what this one had. So you have to like literally yeah. cut that out or there's usually like little, well, the yeah. pictures that I've, that I have, they, um, they have like little staples in it, but I don't know if they had staples then. So yeah, you have to like cut or, or it's glued. So you have to cut that out completely. So he cut that out and That is where he found a folded piece of paper, which turned out to be a copy of the Declaration of Independence. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I would just die. Okay, not only was it just a copy, not only was it just one of the first 200 copies printed, but it was described as being in pristine condition, like it could have been printed yesterday. Oh, my gosh. And Okay, so when did he find this? In 1989. Okay, so that's like almost 200 years. Or wait, that's over 200 years. Yeah, 210 years later. So, okay, and this is is a part that I find just so cool. So they say that it was probably folded immediately after it was printed – because the wow. so the top lines of the Declaration of Independence can be seen yeah. on the back of the document. Oh, like the ink wasn't all the way dry in it. 
yes, stamped because the ink kinda, wasn't all the way oh, dry. Oh wow! Oh my gosh! Yeah. Can so you like, imagine finding that? It was ah oh. no, <laughs> and so it was folded and like put in the back of this frame and they don't think anyone has like literally touched it since like nobody knew another part i love about this story is that the the person who found it made it so clear about how much he hated the painting that was in the frame like the painting was apparently terrible like i couldn't find a picture of it but i searched for it and he was just like it was he literally said it was an abysmal painting like it was terrible so i was like that's that's like such a smart idea to get like the ugliest painting that you can possibly find and put your like uh you know a piece of american treasure in it but okay, so does that mean that the painting itself is like two hundred years old, or did they just you know have the declaration I would in the back? So. Wow, I that don't is know. so bizarre. I I tried to look that up as well. I don't. They did not really go into the painting, which I thought was interesting as well. Yeah. That is really, really amazing. So he sold this copy of the Declaration of Independence to a TV producer for $2.4 million. Oh, my gosh. Well, okay. So I go to thrift stores all the time and do the same thing for my paintings. I buy, I just buy like, you know, just for the frames and then I trash the crap painting or print on the inside. And I'm waiting for this to happen to me one day. I'm going to find a sleeper in there or I'm going to find a Declaration of Independence. It's going to happen. Listen, I have total faith because guess what? Mm -hmm. It happened again to somebody. (gasps) A little bit of a different scenario. Okay, so in 2007, rolled up into like a roll, like how you roll up just like a movie poster. Mm Mm-hmm. So this rolled up piece of paper was found in a Nashville music shop, like a one that would sell like vintage records and stuff. Okay. Okay. Yeah. He bought this rolled up thing for $2 and 40 cents. And after unrolling it at home, (laughs) he got it valued and the person who who looked at it was like, this is way over 100,000 times more valuable than the price you purchased it. And then shook his hand oh and gosh. was just like, congratulations. So this one was in less good shape, obviously, because it wasn't protected in the back of a yeah. painting. Um, and this one sold for half a million dollars. Oh, my goodness. People are finding these. I mean, 2007, <laughs> it wasn't like yesterday, but it wasn't like it no. wasn't like that long ago. So and there are a lot more out there. Obviously, 200 were printed. Uh, so, you know, who knows? I, I'm just telling everybody, keep their eyes out for any rolled up things, anything that looks like it could be original. Gosh, check can you them imagine? Out. Just finding that. I mean, I, I get it for two bucks. Like, come on. Have you ever seen that movie from Disney that... National Treasure with Nicolas Cage. Oh, no. I was going to bring that up, too. But no. It's <laughs> called Inside Out. It's an animated movie. And the girl's name in it is Riley. About the feelings. 
Yes. No, I haven't seen it. Kristen, oh my God. Why have you never watched any Disney movies? Like, that, Is it good? Kristen, it is one of the- <laughs> I know. Hands down, that is one of my favorite movies. And it's not only because the girl's name is Riley. It is oh. so good. And there's this guy, like the anger one- other people will know what I'm talking about. And yeah. his head like will blow fire out of it. And he's like little and short and has a mustache. <laughs> and his head just goes like when he gets really like mad. But I feel like if I found one of those, that would be what would happen to me. Like not in anger, but just like my mind would just like blow, shoot out of the top of my head on, and be on fire. I would just be like, yeah. oh my gosh, like this I can't I can't go on anymore. This is this is dreams coming true. This is the end. This is just it. Yeah. It can't get better than this. So let's just cut it out now. Oh. Me too. I love it so much. I can't imagine. Mm. Okay, so our next treasure that we're going to talk about is kind of similar. It has to do with documents, but this one is absolutely amazing and it saved a museum. So in 2015, an intern was going through the archives of a small museum that used to be like a plantation called Mount Morris. Okay. And it was built in 1765 by British colonial Roger Morris for him and his family. So this plantation was so huge that it stretched from Harlem to the Hudson River. Oh, my God. And that is over 135 acres. Yeah. And in New York, it was the biggest plantation around. That's a lot of acreage. Yeah. She was going through manuscripts in a stuffy third floor room. And this room is packed with boxes. So there's just like a ton of stuff that these historians have to go through and stuff. And a lot of it is inconsequential. Uh, she was actually going through a box of doctor's notes that they had acquired in some way. Like the doctor, I don't know. They may have like donated it to them, like a New York doctor or something like that. But I mean, obviously they were from like, you know, the past or whatever. So she was going through these doctor's notes, just kind of trying to breathe in this like 95 degree room. And she starts seeing these like random pieces of paper that are inside, like they're not in order or anything. They're like kind of stuffed mm. inside these notes. And then a line of one of these random little pieces of paper caught her eye. And the line was, by these and by every other appellation. What does that mean? I don't know how to say this word. Ask Siri. Appalachian. Appalachian. Appalachian, which okay. sounds like the Appalachian Mountains. Yeah, but that's spelled different. Okay. By these and by every other appellation. So this would mean nothing to me or you, but she recognized these lines. And her heart skipped a beat. This couldn't be it. This line is from an urgent plea sent in 1775, one year before the revolution began. It was sent by the Second Congressional Congress to not the King of England, but to the English people. It was an olive branch, if you will. Oh, my God. 
So this document is titled The Twelve United Colonies by their delegates in Congress to the inhabitants of Great Britain. So from the book Rare Books Uncovered, True Stories of Fantastic Finds in Unlikely Places by Rebecca Berry. Rebecca Berry, hit me up because you and I have the same desire and taste in life. Like, yes, I love that title. Uh, Fantastic Finds in Unlikely Places. Like That's that is like really good. The, it's like the treasure slogan. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I know. Me too. Okay, so she says... And I quote, it was an appeal not to King George, but to the British people for reconciliation and a last ditch effort to avoid war by touching the glorious achievements of our common ancestors. The Second Continental Congress had approved the text on July 8th, 1775, a few weeks after the battle at Bunker Hill. Mm and commissioned a printing in a broadsheet form to circulate, of which several copies exist in institutional collections. It didn't do much good by then. Oh, it didn't do much good. By then, George III had already decreed that the colonies were in rebellion. For historians, however, the olive branch reveals the strong conflicted reveals the strong, conflicted feelings of the colonists in the spring and summer of 1775. In draft form, showing numerous edits and strikethroughs, that concept is amplified. As the auction catalog states, this document is an important missing piece from the cumulative moments in which colonists began to think of themselves not as British subjects, but as American citizens. Until this intern's discovery, no manuscript was known to exist, and even its authorship was undetermined. The Continental Congress had originally appointed delegates Livingston Lee Pendlington to the task, but the printed version was unsigned, and... Oh, oh, and it says, according to scholars, it's evident from this recent discovery that Livingston was the primary author. The manuscript is in his hand with notes and edits by Lee. Livingston, incidentally, was one of the five men assigned one year later to write the Declaration of Independence, along with Thomas Jefferson, John Adams, Benjamin Franklin, and Roger Sherman. Gosh. Gosh, that's insane. (laughs) Can you imagine? So like an intern stumbles upon this. Yeah. She just finds this document that gave me chills. Just knowing that like we really did not want to be like warring. Yeah. We were not into fighting. And that makes me feel like a lot better. I don't know. And also I love how you said they started – the colonists started viewing themselves as independent. And it's like like an olive branch. Like, hey, just – just view us as this. I do think it changes like the the intention behind any action is obviously really important. And so the fact that they were saying we don't want to fight, like that's, yeah, that makes me feel good too. 
Yeah, I totally agree. And I also love that it has edits in it. Yeah. So you can see how carefully, you know, they planned this. And I did mention a broadsheet. I don't know if people know what that is, but it's basically like a flyer. Okay. So this document would be taken to like a printer, like a printing Mm -hmm. press type thing. And it would be made into kind of like a newspaper type, basically a flyer. Okay. And just distributed around not only America, but it would also be um, shipped to England, obviously, to try to get past the king. Yeah. They, they've they already tried with him and that wasn't working. So he they were like, let's just talk to like the people, yeah. like, the people who are our fan, like people who are that have the same blood as us, people who, you know. Yeah. Like we grew up with or whatever. Yeah. Like, uh, well, probably not grew up with. They but just had like same and same heritage, same ancestry. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Okay. Well, yeah, I just thought that one was so amazing. So as you can imagine, this was a big deal when she found it Mm -hmm. and it ended up saving the museum from going completely under and tanking because they sold it at auction for $350,000 and whoever bought it later donated it back to the museum so that they can display it for all to see. That's really cool. That's really cool. I know. That was so nice. So there is no telling how many people have old documents like this stuffed in boxes or I've seen things like this at estate sales. Yeah. Like boxes of just you could tell super old documents. Like this one was found in like doctors. Like notes. Yeah. yeah. So I, I just suggest everyone really look and see what they have because you never know if it's going to be something that literally changes a fact about, you know, American history. That's awesome. What a find. I know. What a find. Okay. So on to... Something I really love. I don't know why I like this uh, treasure so much, but let's talk about the American flag. Woo! Yes. So. So American flag. Yes, the American flag. So I think that all countries have a flag. Do you think that? I think so. I think. I think yeah, so. I think so. I think, you I have think to so have too. A flag. It's like, it's part like of kind of thing. part of the like mo. But the evolution of the American flag is absolutely fascinating. Kristen, do you know anything about the American flag or anything you want to, like, share? Sure. Okay. History on the spot. Here we go. The flag started out with the stars. Now we have um, a little, well, a blue rectangle in the corner with white stars. There's 50 for the 50 states, but I know it started out with the just the colonies, 13 colonies. So there was just the 13 colonies, and then there were red and white stripes on the flag, but I don't think there were as many. And I know that our first flag, wasn't it made out of um, or dress parts or something that they like stitched together, the women stitched together? That is a quote unquote myth, but I would call it more of like a legend. And so the story okay. that everyone knows is about Betsy Ross, who yeah. apparently like sewed the first American flag because George Washington asked her to. And yes, we were told out of, you know, dress scraps, but there are actually over 2000 versions of the American or of flags of America because no one really knew what 
was going on. So oh, for, I see. Yeah. For example, uh, like different regimens of the American army or I guess, is that what they would call them? The Continental Army at that point. I'm sorry. The Continental Army, they would have different like regiments or like groups and they would all fly different flags so that when you're coming up to another regiment, they would know like who you were. Gotcha. Yes. And then Benjamin Franklin came up with a flag that was very popular. I should have added a picture of this. But have you ever seen that image of like that snake that cut in pieces and it says join or die and then all the pieces are named like NJMD, like they're like the uh, acronyms oh. for the different states. And so what he was trying to obviously can so. I'll have to show it to you. It's like pretty incredible. But obviously what he was trying to convey yeah, to the colonists is that a, if you cut a snake it like in pieces, it's going to die and they all need to join together to be, you know, a front for uh, this new found country. You, I mean, you can't just pick not yeah. be independent oh, if this. you're. Yeah, it's, it's I really, have seen this. Yeah. I feel like it, it really is an incredible image. Like, I really do like it. Yeah. A lot. OK, so the earliest known flag incorporating 13 stripes is the 1775 forester flag and you can finally scroll to image one and everyone else can look at image one Ooh, okay wait this was the whole flag yes that's odd quite okay. small i know it, it's yeah explain explain well, what your design is and everyone minimal. else okay oh yeah well, I guess flag design kind of is in general, but I'm just used to seeing like red and white stripes with the blue thing and all the white stars. Okay, so mm -hmm. I'm literally looking at, it looks like a pretty well-preserved thatch of fabric, um, red fabric. And then off to the left side, there are one, two, three, four, five, six little um, white rectangles in the upper left corner, upper left third, like just in a little vertical row, vertical column. Vertical. Yeah. And it, when everyone goes on our Instagram, now you can just look at whatever picture says number one, and that will be what we're looking at. So this, there, there are actually more of those stripes on the other side of the flag. Okay. So this is the first, like, this is the earliest known flag incorporating the 13 stripes of the representing the colonies and someone found this flag in a trunk in their attic oh my gosh. and it was auctioned in 2014 and was estimated to sell for one to three million dollars but the final price was unknown because it like was a private sale. Like it didn't actually get to go to auction. So someone okay. just like bought it before gotcha. it went to auction. Yeah. And then it was um, subsequently donated to a museum in Texas. And strangely, a lot of these. That's really cool. Yeah. A lot of these finds come from Texas. Like a lot of these finds and a lot of these auctions are coming from Texas, which is hmm. kind of weird because I don't. Texas was not like a part of. Uh, yeah, America at that no, point. No, not so early I don't, sounding um, America, America. No, that's weird. Okay, so now you can go to image two. 
and everyone else can too Jeez. on our Instagram. So oh this is our goodness. next flag. This makes me want to cry. It's so cute and so just, oh, it's, so it's like cute. such a preliminary design. I love it. I know. So what does it look like? Okay. So what I'm looking at, I'm looking at a blue, a light blue. So our current flag has like a dark Royal Navy blue or just navy blue. Um, this is like a light, 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 well, presumably. It's like a robin's egg. Blue. It is. And then it's got these white stars all over it. One, two, three, four, five, six. They're six pointed stars, but they don't look like, um, they don't look like a star of David's star. They look like, uh, they look like an X with a vertical line going through it. Like, like they look more like snowflakes, to be honest. Um, Honestly, they yeah, totally do. I was thinking frozen tell, vibes. Don't they? <laughs> mm. <laughs> it really does. Um, but it's so sweet. They're like all hand cut and they're they're not they're just slightly imperfect, which is so beautiful. I think that's mm. why it just looks I can just imagine the pride behind making these, you know? Totally. So this <laughs> is the earliest flag known that displays 13 stars. But Kristen this was George Washington's actual flag. No, it was not. It oh was. It makes you want to cry. I know. Oh, that is so cool. I know. So oh my when goodness. people saw that flag flying, they knew that the first president of the United States was not far behind. So this, <laughs> I literally have tears coming out of my eyes. It's so crazy. So this was donated to <laughs> it's the mu- so cool. I know it's so cool. Uh, this was donated to the Museum of the American Revolution by George Washington's sister's descendants, and George Washington's okay. sister. She ended up with a lot of his artifacts and stuff. So like, if you're in the museum, you'll see. I forget her name, but you'll see. Like her name, and you know that's that's how they got it. So, uh, if you listen back to our sleeper episode, you will remember that you need to have provenance for artwork, and yes, you know which kind of makes like a lineage for the for the piece of. I mean, this is art, one hundred percent. Uh, you need to have a lineage yeah. for the piece of art. So, yeah, they can track this all the way back to him giving it to his sister. And, yeah, he That's used awesome. this throughout the Revolutionary War, which also it was like super well made. I'm going to say like, gosh. Yes. Yeah. This is incredible. I am just blown away. Like imagine I don't know, seeing this stuff, studying history is cool enough, but seeing things like this and just imagining like coming up on the battlefront and you're seeing just really, it's a symbol of hope, really, which is awesome. And it just, I don't know, just thinking back to that time and just seeing this flying. I love it. 100%. Or like, even if you're like a woman in your house and your husband is off at war and you hear there's like, you know, troops like stomping up the the way to your yeah. house, you know, like about yeah. to pass your house. You start to freak out, obviously. And then you see like this flag flying. You're like, oh, my gosh, 
I just got chills from me yeah. saying that, which is like <laughs> saying something because I don't often give myself chills. But like just seeing that must give one such hope and just like, oh, yeah. my gosh, you know, it's fine. Everything's going to be OK. And I do like it how both of these flags kind of mix them together. And then you get the American flag. You like, I do. love that. Yeah. This is really cool. We need to, um, well, yeah, listeners, if you don't know what our flag looks like currently, definitely just look that up. But when you see images one and two, you'll see how they, yeah, it's it's really cool how they look like. We'll do a 2.5 video uh, image of the just American flag. <laughs> So I don't mess my numbers yes. up. <laughs> I like that. Okay. <laughs> the 2.5. Perfect. But yeah, you can see how the current flag was birthed from this. You're right. Oh my God, that's yeah. so sweet. Riley, I am so excited to hear more about all of these American treasures. Let's take a quick break and jump back in in just a second. Sounds great. feel like at the beginning of this you were everyone like had no images to go along with with what I was talking about and now we're just like going to be inundated with images and usually yeah. that's how we are like everyone can always see like a ton of stuff with our podcast which I like but um because I'm a very visual learner Same. so now Kristen you can go to number three and four okay three and four oh they're together okay Three and yes. four. Ooh, this is a boat with mm -hmm. a cannon on the front. Uh, it looks like a relatively small boat. It does, doesn't it? Doesn't it? It looks very old. I wonder what this was for. Well, you are about to find out. Okay. So this is the gunboat. Yeah, this is the gunboat Philadelphia. It is the oldest surviving American fighting vessel. Oh it my was, gosh. <laughs> I, it's totally amazing. It was built in 1776 and it was sunk in Lake Champlain during a naval battle with the British in the same year. The Continental Congress authorized the building of this 54 foot, 29 ton gunboat. Ooh. Does that look like that is 54 feet? No, it does not. <laughs> these people, whoever took these pictures, like, they did this ship an injustice. But yeah, if you did. do go on, I I have the link. I think it's the Smithsonian. They have actually an interactive, like, boat experience that you can turn oh, cool. the boat around and kind of get a bet. Yeah, because I think that they obviously know that. It, I mean, it looks small. It looks like a a canoe almost like yeah, I does. would not be getting in that and going it's fighting any wars with any cannons. <laughs> yeah. So they, they have to know that that's why they added the interactive feature because it just doesn't do it justice, but it is 54 feet, 29 ton gunboat and eight other vessels of the same, you know, similar vessels, obviously. Yeah. So they were sent out for the defense of, Champlain Valley. Champlain Valley. So it is the 
northern frontier of the colonies, and it was considered to be a key success or failure of the American Revolution. So this was like super important. And in the summer of 1776, under the leadership of Benedict Arnold, the Philadelphia and her sister ships were hurriedly organized into what historians consider to be the first American Navy. Oh, that is awesome. That's awesome. I know. When looking at the picture, though, and thinking like, this is the Navy... I was like, this is I know, very scary. <laughs> but it's also, that just fills me with such pride. Like, I can just imagine little old grandpas or, like, young boys just doing everything they could. Or even just regular middle-aged men. <laughs> like, just getting on this and, like, we don't care what this looks like. We are fighting these British until we win, you know? It's really cool. I know, exactly. And also, they are okay. So, there are paintings of Benedict Arnold, who is a very controversial figure. We're not getting into him right now because I could go on for like a while about him. But they have paintings of him and his men in these actual vessels, like riding through the water. So, it is really incredible to see things like that. But something that makes this boat a specific treasure is that the so this is the Philadelphia it rested on the bottom of the lake until it was discovered and recovered with much of its equipment still intact wow in 1935 oh my gosh oh my gosh <laughs> so long <laughs> later i was just like what that's insane it, so crazy. Yeah, so it was discovered by this guy named Lorenzo, okay. who was a civil engineer, and he brought it up from the bottom of the lake, and he had it as, like, a tourist attraction for probably, like, 30 years, and then he donated it to, um, to the museum um, in 1964, complete with the 24-pound ball that sent the gunboat to the bottom of the lake. Oh, my gosh. Wait, that's – is no, that's a hole. And Wait, in the front right, is that – oh, no, no, no. Those are, like, hole. I see. Those are fabricated actual holes in the left and right. I thought that was, like, maybe a cannonball hole in the front. Well, there has to be a hole somewhere yeah. in it. I mean, it did sink, and I was I was also looking for that. But I think that if you, I'll I will really like I will post this the um the link to do that like virtual interactive thing. Yeah, and it really is just like an out like it's like a drawing of the boat, but you can like turn it around and stuff, and you can see. I mean, the bottom is obviously messed up because it like hit the bottom yeah. of the ocean like or the lake or whatever so like that part is pretty messed up but um and that might be where the cannonball sunk it how scary would that be to be hit in one of those boats by a cannonball and then just like and then what happens i know they don't talk about (laughs) if anyone died or anything but like (laughs) uh terrible but what a treasure to find what a treasure Ah! well and it makes me wonder you know a lot of people that i love to watch on youtube or whatever they're diving 
they go diving for for finds and they find random stuff all the time but imagine you're diving somewhere and you see something like this and you're like this is from literally the beginnings of america and it's pretty much perfectly preserved in this lake which is just unheard of i guess because lakes are freshwater but if it were salt it probably would have been corroded to death right some lakes are i think yeah some might be salt i don't know yeah i don't know i don't know i don't really know how lakes work because they have to get their water from somewhere so some might be like brackish like fresh and salt water together i don't know if anyone is a lake expert, please let us know. Comment on our Instagram. Email us. We want to know what are lakes made of. So our next treasure that we're going to talk about is this one was actually pretty shocking to me that it sold for as much as it did. And I want to hear your opinion if you think the same thing. So Kristen, you can go to image five and Do you know who Paul Revere is? Of course I know who Paul Revere is. Okay, perfect. Well, I think a lot of our listeners might not know who Paul Revere is because we have listeners from all countries. I'll read this little blurb because it's good. Okay. Okay. Paul Revere was an American silversmith, engraver, early industrialist, Sons of Liberty member, and patriot in the American Revolution. He is best known for his midnight ride to alert the colonial militia in April 1775 to the approach of British forces before the battles of Lexington and Concord, as dramatized in Henry Wadsworth Longfellow's 1861 poem, Paul Revere's Ride. So yeah, that was great and totally accurate. And I feel like For most American children, Paul Revere is, like, iconic. Like, Mm -hmm. we all know who Paul Revere is. One if by land, two if by sea. This is kind of crazy. So in 2019, these home renovator people found a little treasure trove in a hidden door inside of an attic of a Boston home that they were restoring. So you can go to image five if you haven't seen it already. So I will describe this for you and we can try to work it out as we go along. Okay. Okay. So this is a shopkeeper's sign belonging to Paul Revere's son and a wrought iron – oh, and wrought iron calipers, a turned wooden handle – a silk and leather sewing valet, mm-hmm. a key, letters, and an account book belonging to Paul Revere's grandchildren and daughter-in-law. Wow. So these were hidden in a secret hidden – they said like wall or door. I read two articles about this. But – yeah, they had to like bust through the wall to like find all of these. So somebody like hid these in this area. And Paul Revere did not own any of these. Also, I do not know what calipers are. They look like little tweezer things. I think they were for measuring I should maps. Probably look it up. Like the scale of a map, I think. Oh my gosh, Kristen, you're like totally almost accurate. You might be. Okay, a caliper is an instrument for measuring external or 
internal dimensions, having two hinged legs resembling a pair of compasses, an intern, an interned or outturned points. Hmm. See how they go like a little bit like they warp in just a little bit at the end. Yeah, you're totally right. Perfect. So that's exciting. That's crazy. Kristen, this lot of items sold for $20,000. I mean, mind-blowing. It's just, yeah. Well, and the fact that it didn't belong to him technically, but it's just his family members selling for that much money. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. So it, I, I definitely feel like this is just kind of, I don't know how to say it, but like the passion that Americans have for American artifacts and things like that, that have to do with this time period, especially. And also proving that is how many people have we already talked about that buy something and then donate it back, like donate it to a museum so that other other people I mean not only Americans but just like anyone that comes to the museum can see and appreciate these things that made us who we are today and I think that that's really awesome and I think that this specific example just shows even you know being Paul Revere's grandchildren's or daughter-in-laws or sons these things are important to us as people just because they are yeah well and I love how you know the grandfather Paul Revere himself is such an iconic character in American history but seeing his son's um like shop sign it's just like you know, that's just as special. Like all of the stuff that happened afterward, like this is the new life that was birthed after America was founded, you know? And I think these are just as valuable as something that was actually Paul Revere's himself because it's it shows you how, I guess, I guess it just shows you the positive or like all, like all the aftermath, cut this out. While I'm bumbling. No, I have a perfect quote. It is explaining exactly what you're talking about. John Adams, our first vice president, second and second president, he has a quote that says, I must study politics and war so that my sons may have liberty to study mathematics and philosophy and so that my grandchildren can be artists and make art. Gosh, that is so good. That's exactly what I was trying to say. That is so good. Yes. It, yeah. It's like this stuff is a luxury that happened because of the war that happened. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Because these people, you know, they fought for us and not only on the battlefield, but like negotiations and just doing all that political stuff like basically figuring out how to like run a country i'm pretty sure that none of them took like country 101 how to run (laughs) in college or anything like that like they were just like they were kind of like making it up as they went along now Kristen, i would like to get into my favorite part of this whole entire story 
I'm so. gonna blow your mind. Because it is likely that you and our listeners most definitely have these 1700s treasures either in your house, you've used them. Well, I know that all of you probably have. Like, I would bet my bottom dollar that most of you have used all of these items. And so, yes, we're going to talk about the inventions that have stood the test of time and that come straight from this era. Oh, I'm excited. I'm so excited. Okay, so number one, you can go to image six, everybody. Okay. And so this is the swivel chair. Oh, so cool. (laughs) Oh my goodness, the swivel chair. What is it, like the first office chair? Oh my God, listen to this story. So if... Everyone who's looking at the image, I think it's the top left-hand image. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So Thomas Jefferson invented the swivel chair. And if people don't know who Thomas Jefferson was, Kristen, do you want to give them a brief overview? Yes, he was an American statesman, diplomat, lawyer, architect, philosopher, founding father, um, served as the third president of the United States from 1801 to 1809. He was previously second vice president of the United States, principal author of the Declaration of Independence, motivated American colonists to break from the kingdom of Great Britain and form a new nation, produced formative documents and decisions at both the state and national levels. I read all that. I did not have it memorized. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Wikipedia. Thomas Jefferson was like pretty rad. And he invented the swivel chair. So the or actually at the time, he called it a rotating chair. So he took I love it. Yeah, he took a Windsor chair, like a normal Windsor back chair. Uh-huh. And this chair basically had two seats that uh so the top one rotated on the bottom one and he used a pulley mechanism that he found in an old window and he, <laughs> yes seriously and he was just like i need to be able to rotate when i want to rotate hello it's like that's what i need to do and so that, that image that you're seeing He is said to have signed the Declaration of Independence in that very chair. Oh, my gosh. That's incredible. And I love how he added a desk on it. Yes. He's like, I just don't want to have to get up at all. Exactly. (laughs) Like, I want to be able to be writing and turn around and look at you and still write. I don't want to go away from my desk. I mean, it's a great idea. Like, that's that's kind of how like school desks were, you know, like those ones that you have to like slip in. And yeah, I mean, it, it was a great idea. So also Marie Antoinette bought a a chair that was like made from his idea, <laughs> like his chair idea. She bought That's one because she was like, oh, my gosh, I need that, too. Or no, she was probably like in French. I guess I don't imagine her from the same time period time period she just seems like so much older right I know that's how I feel too but I'm not 
that's something I've always had a problem with, though. Like, figuring out when this happened, like, over here, ver- like, and what was happening over, you know, like, on a different continent or whatever. Like, yeah. I've always had... Synonymously. Yeah. yeah. I've always had problems, like, figuring that out. But, um, yeah, apparently she bought one of his, like, chair designs, so... Whatever. Um, Go Ben. Yeah. Okay. So number two invention is, well, invention treasure. And everyone listening had better have one of these in their houses. It is a flushing toilet. (laughs) This is a big deal. (laughs) Like a big deal. I love it. Yeah. Wait, which image is that? Oh, I don't have an image for it uh, because they didn't have one. Oh, okay, okay. I'm looking at yeah, all these like, no. <laughs> which one do they go to the bathroom? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> we'll get to those in a minute, but no. Um, it's so weird because the flushing toilet was definitely invented in 1775 by a British inventor. Okay, but we know nothing about him, and he is not attributed Hmm. anywhere. There's this one guy who his last name is Crapper, and he kind (laughs) of made the – I'm so serious. A few years after this, he made the toilet, like, a little bit better or something, and he is attributed with all of the credit for making the toilet, but it's just because his last name is Crapper. Hey, he doesn't deserve it. I shouldn't have even brought him up because he doesn't deserve the clout. But yeah, he did not really invent the toilet. And How did this you just other throw poor that toilet guy. So nonchalantly. I'm just his saying the other poor toilet guy. Yeah, his name is Crapper. His last name is Crapper. So he gets all the toilet credit. And the poor guy who actually invented the toilet gets no credit at all and like no one knows anything about him poor thing so i mean i just feel for him but um yeah so yeah there's i didn't add a picture because i was just like crapper we can't yeah he got oh (laughs) (laughs) Oh, exactly i'm so bad about laughing no i loved that joke (laughs) um I mean, with the last name Crapper, I don't understand how Is that, where that it came could from, even happen. That seems like a – Like it smells like crap. Well, is that like where the crapper. name crap – Yeah, like I just yeah. crapped in there or like I'm crapping. Like I do not know. And I don't know. I don't understand like what came first, the chicken or the egg? Or is this just like a the sick crapper, joke the that they – Exactly. Is is this a sick joke that the universe has played on us? Like like I don't understand how this how that is even possible. That would be like your last name being, you know, Stakes and you're the first one to like cut into a cow. Like that is the weirdest yeah. thing that I've ever heard of in my life. But it is I mean it's just Facts, facts. The crapper took all of the took all the crap from the original toilet designer, and I feel for him. And I wish that we knew more about him. If you know anything about the original toilet designer, please let us know. Especially if his last name is Shitter. 
Tears coming out of my eyes. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just okay. 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 So, anyways. Okay. So, uh, invention number three that we're going to talk. Well, this is just, it's two inventions, but it's a very interesting. You can go to image number seven. Okay. Okay. So, this is a guy. His name is Joseph Priestley. And in 1770, it was a big year for him because he invented mm-hmm. two treasures that I know every single person listening to this has used and experienced. Do you have any guesses? He sounds very familiar. Joseph Priestley. Um, I have no idea. No. Okay, good. I didn't think that you would because that's very, very broad. It could literally be yeah. anything. Okay, so – okay, I'm going to send you this thing I made on Instagram. And okay. everyone else will be able to see this when we uh, come out with the pod. But yeah. I was very proud of myself. How do erasers and carbonated drinks mix? How do they mix? <laughs> he made them do? in 1770. He, oh. he invented erasers. And invented oh carbonated goodness. drinks. Joseph Priestley. How amazing drinks. is that? That's awesome. Wait, so yes, how did he... he... Okay, so... He... Go ahead. Mm. It was... Physicist or something? Or I don't, mm-hmm. I don't really know what they would call them. But he, like, discovered all of these gases, which I also don't know how that happens. And I was... I was trying to like dumb it down to the point where I was reading like just the Wikipedia and it was not com- like comprehending in my brain. It was like way over my head and I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. But okay, so the erasers were kind of easier. He, they, you know, were traveling all over the world at this point because they could, because their ships could go longer and um, whatever. So they found rubber and he, found out that rubber erased ink and put them in eraser form and before erasers people used to have eraser knives that they would just like scrape the ink off their paper like basically like cutting like the thinnest sheet of paper like what sliver of paper yeah. So that's terrible. That's going to make your, you know, writing look very weird and everyone's going to know you erased yeah. that yeah. part. It's like doing white out. So yeah, he discovered erasers and was like, this is perfect. But the carbonated drinks were like much harder and he had to go through a lot of trial and error processes. And I still don't really understand how that even works, how you put like carbonation into drinks, but he discovered yeah, it and he gave the world carbonated drinks. I mean, that's so thank cool. you. Uh, yeah, I know it's, I mean, obviously there wasn't like Coke and stuff, but I mean, that didn't come too much later because obviously, I mean, I don't know, obviously, but like, you know, Coke was used as like a they actually put cocaine in it. So Yeah, I think um, that's why it's called Coke. It was like a medicinal it? thing. Mm-hmm. I think so, yeah. So I mean thank you, I guess. Uh, 
And yeah, so he basically invented big gulps, you know, gas stations awesome. around the world thrive off of his inventions. Yeah, I know. So interesting. Um, okay, Imagine so finding a I have two more treasures. Soda. Oh, stop. They've got to be out there. I think he started with water and then he started, like, he started adding sugar in it. And that was when he realized he needed to, like, up the carbonation. And then he, Uh, like, figured out a way to, like, really get it super carbonated. And I can only imagine, like, how would he try these out? Like, yeah. Was he drinking these? Because who knows? what those would taste like they'd probably like burn your esophagus and your entire like body <laughs> i have no idea but uh, i know that i so would true. not be putting any some sort of like weird gases into something i'm going to be ingesting yeah but yeah joseph Priestley was doing the thing so for each their own okay so I have two more treasures to discuss really quickly. Perfect. Number one is George Washington's tent. Okay, so people are obsessed with this tent, fully obsessed with it. I do not know why, but people make small miniature models of the tent. People love this tent. And obviously it is really important George Washington would take it from place to place around, you know, our country, like with during battles and stuff, live in the tent. And he would also, you know, take meetings in the tent. And it's actually a pretty nice tent. The tent was donated to the Smithsonian quite recently by one of his descendants. Oh, wow. But this is not the real treasure that we're going to talk about. We are talking about... In 2015, a painting was discovered in an attic, which it looks like it would be hard to like miss this painting, but it was folded up and I'll get back into that. Um, And it was sold at auction for $15,000 to the Museum of the American Revolution. And this is image eight. And this is such an incredible painting Number one, because it's a panorama. So it's seven feet long and nine inches tall. And it shows the entire scope of George Washington's army. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Like, I've never seen anything, anything done like this. I don't even know, like, how do people like that even get seven? It's seven feet it's seven feet long so like how do they even get uh like do they put that on a canvas like i've never how does one even? Yeah, i guess they could do canvas and cut it it looks like paper though it That's might what, be can- it's, no, it's a watercolor yeah oh well then yeah it looks it's paper then yeah and it folds up that's awesome. like that's how they found it like folded yeah, so. up inside of a book or something um <laughs> Yeah, so it has to be paper. But, like, I don't know how they got paper that long. So this was also thought to be painted by the – his name was Le, Le Font, And he definitely designed Washington, D.C., like, all of the roads. Okay. He was, like, the yes. planner. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. that's 
super, super cool. So something else that was really interesting um, or that these people freaked about, you can go to image nine. So you okay. in this image, you can see they're pointing to it. You can see oh George Washington's goodness. tent set up and the tent except like obsessed people were just mind blown by it. Like they oh were just like, my oh my goodness. gosh, this became a treasure. This is so cool. Gosh, look at the detail. Cause it's, it's about the size of his fingernail. The tent is literally the size of his fingernail in this painting, but it's got immaculate detail in it. It's so amazing. And just the scope that he did. I mean, he you really see the entire thing and this only so it gave historians like a better idea of what an actual um like army plate like when the army was there like what it would actually look like because obviously there weren't pictures yeah yeah and I love how it's a panorama so it's it's long like it's it's very very cool I really 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 like this picture and um, so again, everyone that is image eight and nine, go to our Instagram and check that out. So I have one more treasure for you guys. And this one is kind of a funny, weird one. So Kristen, this is image 11. You can go to that right now. Okay. Scroll down. Okay. Wait, I only have 10. Oh, it should be 10. I'm sorry. This, I don't know why I put 11. Okay. This is okay. Image 10. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> what do you think that this is? What is that? Yeah. What do you think it a is? A file of some sort? Okay. So these archaeologists, for some reason, were studying the timbers of this historic house in New York. And I don't know why they were studying the timbers. Yeah. I don't understand archaeology, archaeological timber research, but they found this strange thing in the corner of the attic and this stumped tons of people like experts, like nobody had any idea what this was for like years. So they, they found like, um, somebody found a rough drawing of this thing in kind of like a DIY homemaker book that you would get in the 17, like little pamphlet book that you would get in the 1700s. Yeah. Yeah. And it is a food grater. So you would like put like, yeah, like carrots oh, cool. or like bread, like crusted bread. They would do that a lot to make like breadcrumbs, I guess. Yeah. And so, yeah, this was homemade, and it was obviously made very well. This is so cool. I love that. I know. And when I was actually first reading the article, I thought – I like, I misread it, and I thought it said it was a foot grater, like one of those things that you get the calluses off the bottom <laughs> of your feet. And I was like, God, I need one of those. Like, that looks like that could really work. <laughs> But um, I was totally wrong. I reread and I was like typing this whole thing up and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so cool. They were doing like, you know, work on their feet, pedicures. pedicures back but then. no, 
Yeah. So that was oh, like that so really funny. the treasure of the entire. I mean, they may have used it for that. But yeah, so I thought that one was so weird that it stumped so many people. People were like, we have mm-hmm. no idea what this is. Like uh, some people said it looked like a magic wand because of the stars on it. And I'm like, what? I don't. I don't know what type of wands you think that people were using, but all of the people who were using wands were getting burned at the stake with their wands. So, like, yeah. no. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was so ridiculous. Oh, well, so crewmates and Kristen, those have been my treasures. And I hope that people and you learned a little bit about, you know, the freedom of America and how we became who we are and some of the artifacts that were left behind. I really enjoyed this episode, especially just, I think my favorite thing out of the whole episode, of course, they're all amazing, but just seeing like the flags in their preliminary stages is just moving. I just love that. So I do too. We appreciate y'all listening. Um, Oh no. Yeah. We totally love that you guys are listening. And I also just wanted to quickly mention two things. Um, Number one, people are constantly finding like artifacts, like buttons and badges and cannonballs and coins in like the ground with metal detectors. So You guys, like, go out there and do that if you're, you know, into hunting for treasure like us. And let us know if you find anything or if you have anything. Let us know and we might do, like, another episode on this. Because we both really love, like, this early Americana um, vibe, like, the era. And I think that we both would definitely be into doing another episode on this. And... The other thing I wanted to just remind everyone, for sure. yeah, is that we are do our Instagram is going to be under construction. So nobody freak out, but it's going to be really, really cool. And I think you guys are really, really going to like it. So, um, yeah, thank you guys for listening. Do we have anything else to add? Till next time. Yeah. <laughs> See you later, <laughs> Americans. Yeah, probably not. Okay, let's do it again. Okay, so yeah, thank you guys for listening. And we hope that you all have a fabulous 4th of July. And even if you're not in America, get together with your family and, you know, just hang out, be by the pool. Or if it's cold outside where you are, like in Australia, I don't know do other stuff and I don't know grill have a good time and let's celebrate freedom excellent adios bye